Hey guys, Happy New Year! Um, I hope you all had a great Christmas and great 2019. Um, I've got a really busy year planned already with podcast collaborations, certain guests. I've also got a trip to Mexico planned, Amsterdam. Uh, I've got a few things to London. Uh, my girlfriend got me tickets to see Book of Mormon uh, next week, so look out on Instagram for a review of that, which I'm really excited for. But um, yeah, anyway, let's, uh, let's get this intro started. My guest this week is Tom King. Now, Tom King is the CEO of a company called Steviva. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And he was essentially one of the first people to bring back Stevia, the artificial sweetener, um, to the USA. Now, Stevia is used in a lot of protein bars and a lot of essentially great food that you can get, which is basically sweet and it tastes great, but it doesn't have all the or a lot of the negative things that sugar has. And we kind of go into that a bit in this podcast. As well as that, he's got a book out, which is called Guy Gone Keto. I've got a link to the website in the description. Um, that's about his book and his journey through his ketogenic lifestyle. Uh, it's not a diet book. It's more of like a journey book, but going through a state of ketosis, you know, doing the ketogenic diet was kind of what set him off on this journey. So that's really interesting. And we get into that. We also talk about biohacking and microbiomes and metabolism, sort of that side of nutrition. Um, and we also talk about sort of almost the su- his success story in a way, like what he does to keep himself on top of things, you know, he meditates, he does mindfulness exercises, he writes a journal every day, he has got loads of sticky notes everywhere, he plans his life goals, he does a lot of these things, so it's very inspirational to hear them, um, and can be very beneficial to anyone who wants to start up a company or a business or do any of these sort of things, it's just very motivational, as well as linking with nutrition and exercise, it all sort of culminates into a great conversation. As well as that, we also get into sort of what food waste there is, respecting animals, um, sort of alternative eating, the politics of food. So those sort of things are also spoken about. Now, this is technically part one of a two-part chat. Uh, part two will be out next week, but I'll be releasing it as its own standalone episode because we start talking about spirituality, memento mori, life after death, sort of these sort of things. Um, so you can look out for that next week. But yeah, the conversation does keep on going. Now, you notice when this conversation starts, it kind of starts midway through, and I do apologize for that. Um, there was a slight technical issue, which basically means the first two or so minutes of the audio um, didn't come out properly. Uh, that's my fault. I apologize for that. Um, but as a quick summary, essentially, um, the rest of the conversation goes on swimmingly well. You can understand it all perfectly fine. Um, but this is just a quick summary of what Tom basically said. Uh, the book essentially comes from a, about three years ago. He had a realization when he was like a Vegas trade show. He was eating lots of sugar, felt like crap and things. So he decided to go on the ketogenic diet. So that was one part. Another part was essentially he um, is a fifth generation entrepreneur. So his dad, grandfather, great grandfather, etc., were entrepreneurs as well, um, doing a lot of crazy things, including supplying tents to the US Army. So that's really cool. And also that he was one of the first people to import stevia. I mean, he also says the term diabetes, which is brilliant. Uh, diabetes and obesity put together. Fantastic term. Um, and essentially, from there, the conversation starts going. So I'm going to stop yammering on and uh, get on with the show. Just before that, though, is a quick promo from the Brave Files podcast. Uh, and then it will get straight into the show. So thanks, as always, for tuning in, guys. And I'll be back at the end to talk about part two of this chat and more. This is Heather Vickery. I'm the host of the Brave Files podcast. The Brave Files is an interview show that shares stories of real people who choose to live courageously every day. Each week, we introduce you to a new person that has decided to make brave choices despite all of their fears. From being a social justice warrior to murder in self-defense to starting a business that allows you to travel the world and everything in between. There are a million ways to choose bravely each and every day. 
We also feature a charity of the week and learn actionable ways to help make the world better together. The Brave Files provides insight, encouragement, and connection on a deeply human level. So if you're looking for a podcast that's compelling, engaging, and inspiring, check out The Brave Files. You'll find us anywhere you enjoy podcasts. Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. And I'm your host, Mike Burton. Uh, a ketogenic lifestyle, like just, you know, <clears throat> cutting out sugars, cutting out alcohol, you know, uh, cutting out carbs and just getting very focused on, you know, losing weight, getting my blood pressure lower. And so I, in that process, did a bunch of data collection, you know, like writing it down and like goal setting and journaling. And before I knew it, it actually had just turned into a book. <laughs> so, okay. Wow. So, yeah, and then the book came out in, um, in May of this year. And at that point I started, you know, we have a food, uh, food technology lab here and I just started making products. I started making condiments, things that I was going to need, um, you know, for this ketogenic journey and that spawned, you know, basically a consumer brand. So the whole guy gone keto concept just completely grew organically out of me being sick and tired <laughs> and miserable with the person that I was. I see. I see. Well, it's like, um, I have a protein bar, like I, I eat a fair few, but I noticed over the last couple of years, I've been getting a lot more healthy and got more um, interest in other diets and things as well. And um, one chocolate bar, chocolate bar, protein bar that I've been consuming is, um, it's called Quest, it's Quest Nutrition, and they yeah. use stevia. And I think I first heard about them on like the Joe Rogan podcast or something along those lines. And I'd never even really considered that sort of thing. And the protein bars, so many of them have got such high sugar in and things like that. It's, it's madness. I was buying quite a few um, like a couple of years ago and I was just looking at the calories and all the content. I was like, yeah, this is really high in protein, but it's like a Mars bar or anything like that. So, right. yeah, so it's seen, knowing that you're sort of uh, one of the key uh, individuals has helped almost bring on the positive sweetener revolution. I should have thought before <laughs> that made it sound so grandiose <laughs> and then that name was terrible. But um, I liked it. Just <laughs> keep going with it. I like yeah. the revolution. Flow so. with it. Why I love anything revolution, just technological revolution and like yes. the industrial revolution. And now I think we're probably in a social revolution, but probably about the 20th one because one every few years, but nothing wrong with that. Um, so for people who are not as, um, say, a diet savvy, um, with the ketogenic diet, I know sort of bits and pieces about it. Um, but um, would you like to just explain it sort of to individuals who don't know what it sort of is? And well, it, it's it's actually pretty simple. Um, you your your diet is going to consist of seventy percent fat, twenty percent protein, and ten percent carbs. And those carbs are going to come from like cruciferous vegetables, like broccoli, cauliflower, kale, uh, lettuce, spinach, um, and and that's basically it. And that so what your body you know your body has the ability to function on glucose um as an energy source but your body also has the ability to to switch that and to start operating off of off of fat and so what happens is when you're consuming that fat your liver 
your liver turns that fat or metabolizes that fat into ketones, and then you can use that ketone, those ketones actually as an energy source. Um, so if you move from a high carb diet and eliminate the carbs and you adopt a ketogenic lifestyle, probably your first week's going to be tough until you become what's called fat adapted, where your body is actually able to burn those fats. So the first week you might, you know, feel what they call the keto flu. Mm. <clears throat> I never had it, but I do know people that have had it, experienced it. And um, once you move past that, it's like somebody turned the lights on. Yeah, you're just, I've heard that. It, it's your your brain function. I think the the losing weight is is definitely positive. Like, you know, who doesn't want that? Um, but I would say that the real the real solid benefit is is going to be energy level and brain function, where you can't even compare the two. Like, you know, on a high carb diet, it's slow, sluggish afternoon coffee sometimes or tea in your your case. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh with keto you don't you don't get that that lag in the afternoon you just mm. you have you're burning super clean energy um yeah and takes you takes you through the day so how um how long have you been on the ketogenic diet if you don't mind me asking i don't mind at all um about three and a half years okay i literally i literally started it at that trade show okay. in, in Vegas. And I had dabbled with it before, you know, like I, I used it as a diet. And the problem is like, if you, if you, if you use, if you use a diet, diets are temporary, mm. meaning, oh, I'm going to go on a diet and lose a few pounds. Well, what happens is you lose a few pounds, you go off the diet, then you gain, the, gain that weight back. And every time you gain a little bit more, and your body becomes a little more insulin resistant, meaning that it's going to be harder each time you try to lose that weight. So that's called yo-yo weight and where you're up and you're down. Um, and really for me, it's like diets don't work. You need to make a lifestyle shift. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you there. That's what I've um so I've noticed there's been almost revolution once again, word of the day. Um, I've noticed that especially in um, in England where you know we kind of, our culture does follow a lot of Americas in, in a lot of way and things. And what I've noticed is kind of, we've got this influx of sort of fast food and you've got like, a, we've got something called Deliveroo over here. Um, and we've also got Uber Eats, which I think you guys would probably have Uber Eats, where it's yeah. just like McDonald's don't deliver, but you can pay someone to go and get you McDonald's and they bring it to you. So it's basically the same thing. And it's like, that's obviously very convenient and great for a right. few times and stuff. But it's like with that, with Netflix, which I obviously love Netflix and I, I love all these sort of great things, but it makes it a lot easier to stay inside. But right. equally on the flip side, you've got things like a lot more gyms are popping up, a lot more sort of 24 hour gyms. You pay just like over here, it's like 20 pound a month, um, which isn't that much at all. Um, and that's just unlimited gym use for like you know, every day, 24 hours, however much you want. Um, and there's something that opened up near me recently, which I have yet to try called Fit Chefs. Now, Fit Chefs is a it's basically takeaway, but it's, it's good for you. It's healthy. So I want to get your, your sort of opinion on how how you think it's progressing. Do you think it's generally getting better or do you think it's getting worse? Or do you think that kind of each end is getting sort of further away from each other? Um, I think things are getting better because when you look at, you know, even in the UK, you know, the sugar tax on sugary beverages like soft drinks. I mean, that's that's a huge that makes a huge, huge impact. And I think across the United States, same thing. Like you're getting cities like Manhattan and Berkeley and Boulder, Colorado, 
that are putting a tax on sugary beverages. And I think that that that's really a step in the right direction because it, it consumers will start making better choices and it really creates top of mind awareness of how how detrimental, you know, eating too much sugar you know, can be. So I think things are getting better. And also when you look at the trends of, you know, consumer products, um, particularly food in the U.S., when you look at the highest growth companies like like Quest, um, you know, you're seeing explosive growth on a company that companies that cater to people's ketogenic lifestyle. And mm. most definitely Quest is one of those, a leader, in fact. Yeah, yeah. And it's one of those things that I've noticed because obviously there's Whole Foods and things like that popping up as well. And obviously, I have mixed feelings about sort of veganism, um, which I'd like to get your views on it as well, which is I appreciate the morality of veganism. Um, I think being vegetarian is greatly moral, but I think most of the damage, uh, at least to the animal's well-being, is more from the milk and the eggs because, you know, if you have a, a young animal, it grows to, of age, it gets slaughtered. It's not a pleasant life, but it's over then rather than being kept alive for as long as possible in a tiny little horrible cage um, in a cage or a tiny room or anything like that. So veganism does kind of trump uh, vegetarianism on that end. But the diet for veganism is... A lot of them will argue it's very natural, um, and I'm not a nutritionist, so I'm not going to necessarily say it's not. But from the experience of what I've seen and from what I've heard and things like that, and obviously general human evolution, I would say it's more sort of the ketogenic or the uh, paleo diet or um, I'm trying to think. There's the primal diet, which is like the carnival diet. Is it? Mm. I don't know much the about the paleo diet. diet. Yeah, the yeah. Pa well, paleo. I mean, paleo is. I mean, that's going to be eating basically what, you know, our ancestors ate 40,000 years ago. So, right. you know, like naturally occurring grains and, and nuts and, uh, you know, and meat. Mm. So that's, I mean, a paleo is a perfectly fine diet, you know, mm, for some people. And, and I'm also, one thing that I, I do want to stress is that, while, while you know, leading a ketogenic lifestyle for me has been great, and and I know a lot of other people that have adopted it, and and it's worked out quite well for them. Um, it's not for everybody. Mm -hmm. So paleo might be you know better for you, or mm -hmm. vegetarian or vegan. But mm -hmm. I I think probably. Um, so I do, I do some biohacking, you know, like different experiments on myself, like tweaking my microbiome or, you know, taking a regime of, 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 uh, cannabinoids to see the, the efficacy, you know, as pain management or, or sleep medicine. Um, so is that, I do just these to clarify, series... is that like CBD oil and that sort of thing. Like cannabinoids? Yes. I was going to ask is. about that funny enough, but yes, yeah, continue. Sorry. <laughs> so yeah. And we can get into that cause I, I am doing in January, I'm going to be doing like 21 days of probably somewhere between 500 milligrams and a thousand milligrams of CBD. Okay. And I'll be testing, I'll be testing my blood before and looking at inflammation markers and probably renal function as well as like, uh, as liver function as well, like creatinine levels. Cause I want to see how it's metabolized. I also want to see, you know, if it is able to, to lower inflammation, um, in any way, because there's been a ton of claims made about CBD, you know, being effective for pain management or stress or, you know, or even sleep, uh, for that matter. But I, I, and I've done some formulating, um, you know, for customers in that category, but I, I've yet to see 
you know, proof or evidence that it is indeed effective. And, you know, and so it, it's going to be anecdotal, of course, me just dosing myself with it. But I mean, st starting somewhere. Mm, and yeah, that and way, that's a good I'll way to know, do it. Yeah. And I'll know for sure. Like I talk my doctors, I they're not a hundred percent on board with some of the stuff that I, that I do, but with this, you know, you know, they, we discussed, you know, the, the sort of the anecdotal, uh, data that's going to be collected and they seem to think that it's fine. It's like a good place to start, but at least I'll know, you know, at least I'll know, well, in my case, this is what CBD did. Um, so I do those like every other month, depending on my health. Cause sometimes like if I'm, infecting myself with a particular uh like uh, lactobacilli type uh bacteria to see if i can alter my microbiome sometimes i get a little sick so i can like, imagine yeah because for people uh, who don't know the like microbiome you speak about the, essentially your gut biome is that what you're speaking of so all the bacteria in your stomach that right. is it the uh enteric nervous system is that what it affects i know very few buzzwords <laughs> and very little no, substance, that's pretty so. that's pretty good it's actually the bacteria don't really reside in your stomach as much as they do your your upper and lower intestine so that's where they you know, a lot of your digestion digestion takes place, but your microbiome is responsible for more than seventy five percent of your um, of your immune system. Um, you know, and and ninety percent of your serotonin is actually generated from your gut. Um, and also, you know, the vagus nerve is your largest nerve in your body that runs behind your heart, regulates heartbeat. Um, that actually it goes right from your gut right to your brain. So there's this amazing sort of mind-gut connection that I've been experimenting with uh, for no other reason, just for my own uh, my own knowledge. So i you know, you don't have to hold yeah. back for anyone else. You're like, you know, I want to do this. The same with what you're saying you're going to do in January and all the sort yeah. of the other things you've been doing is that like, I want to do this and yeah. it doesn't really matter. I've got the resources that I can do this. I'm going to do this for me and just share with everyone else. You know, you can't yeah. have a unanimous thing that's going to work perfectly for everyone. As one little example I often give to people is just like allergies. Is that simple? Right. Like I can't eat blueberries, which is very upsetting to me. My girlfriend's recently found out she's quite lactose intolerant, but it's kind of it's come on, you know, as as the years go on, you can just become allergic yeah. to things. Some people sure. never are, some people are. So it's like huh. you can't have a diet or a style or anything that works unanimously for every single person, especially when right. something as simple as allergies exist. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And 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 really I believe that a lot of those allergies and a lot of you know, it, and particularly lactose and intolerance, I think is a function of the microbiome. So, mm. I mean, there's a, there's a lot going on in, in, you know, inside of the body. Like a lot of it has to do with that village. You know, you've got this village of a trillion different bacteria and, you know, sometimes you get some gangsters in there. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Um, so I've had gangsters in that village before and I've done some biohacking to try to get them out and for, you know, by and large, it's been pretty successful, but um, really this is sort of a circuitous way to get to veganism and how vegan and vegetarian fits into a ketogenic uh, lifestyle. So I think in February, February or March, depending on how I'm feeling, um, I'll probably go 90 days of vegan keto. Okay. Um, I think vegan it's... keto. That's quite interesting. How, how would that um how that sort of work? Obviously, because a lot of the healthy fats from a standard ketogenic diet, from my understanding, comes from a lot of meat. 
Um, no, actually, you're going to get more protein from meat. And if you That's eat awesome. too much protein, if you eat too much protein, it'll actually throw you out of uh, out of uh, ketosis um, because protein's converted to glycogen and stored in your muscles. And basically, you've got, you know, your body's full of glucose at that point. So consuming too much protein can definitely, you know, take you out of keto and put you into a metabolic state. <laughs> so I don't think that that vegan keto or vegetarian keto is going to be that that difficult because you can eat there is a lot of of plant-based um foods that are very fatty like nut butters you know any kind of nuts and um and uh, uh like coconut coconut oil and olive yes oil. yes so the only thing that i would wouldn't be having is any grains um so I think it's totally doable. And mm. in fact, it could even be, I don't know, maybe even a little easier than than doing like an omnivore version of, of keto. But I'll find out. I'll find out. And I post everything. So I'm kind, of, <laughs> I'm kind of transparent about stuff like that. Like I'll post my, you know, my results from my microbiome test. Um, I'll post, you know, blood tests. You know, because I've I've been able to move a lot of markers, which has been kind of fascinating. Yeah, because I've um I've only had my blood work done sort of once. I did it a year or so ago. I need to do it more frequently, but it costs it costs a fair amount over here, and I do not yet have the money to be frivolously spent or frivolously. It is my health, but I did I did it, and it was just like everything is generally okay, but your vitamin D is a little bit low. And now I just take vitamin D supplements. I mean, it could just go outside more, but, you know, right. Um, but apart from that, so I was quite happy about that, but it's like, I would love to just uh, every month be able to kind of experiment around with it. Cause I've, I've recently been getting more and more interested in food. And it's one of the reasons I was quite excited to speak to you as well, of especially looking on your site and seeing, like, I didn't even think about these things. Like I saw, you've got the sort of ketogenic, um, you've got the barbecue sauce, teriyaki sauce, ketchup, that sort yeah. of things. And it was like, I've I've heard keto in all honesty most of the things I've heard from ketogenics um comes from Joe Rogan because he talks about it quite regularly mm-hmm. um but and I've I've looked into it a little bit a, a bit here and there and a couple of my friends have tried it but I hadn't even thought of condiments because like I've got um some barbecue sauce that I love but I try just to avoid looking at how much sugar's in it because it's like <laughs> sweet barbecue honey sauce it's just oh god yeah. it tastes so good but it's terrible so yeah yeah that's it's amazing I see that you've got all those products and you're sort of expanding and you're it's that kind of a thing like same as with your i assume your book and what you've been doing with your um sort of biohacking is you're just like this thing doesn't exist i would like to have that thing so i'm just gonna i'm gonna get it made and then i'm gonna share it with everyone else is that kind of how you went about it mike you you you've nailed it i mean <laughs> so these these things are sort of selfishly created um because i can't have them so like i couldn't really have ketchup because, like, if you think about how much sugar is in ketchup and barbecue sauce, there's more sugar in, in those two condiments than there is ice cream. So That's it's so like, to me. That's so it's like having a hamburger, a hamburger with a scoop of ice cream on top of it. It does sound so, really good. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I for, you know, I wanted to have condiments for myself, you know, like. I love sweet chili sauce and I love teriyaki sauce and I love, I mean, all the sauces I love, but I couldn't have them. And I was like, you know what? Screw it. I will make these. And yeah, then it sort of organically took off. Then when people had them, they're like, oh my God, this is really good. You know, we got to, you know, you should, you should sell this. (laughs) 
and well, that's what well, that's where you are. That's, that's where you are today. Yeah. Um, out of interest, um, I, I do want to keep talking about all these sort of things, and I've got a list of huge things. You're a very interesting guy. But if we rewind almost to sort of back to when you were a young adult, how did you get on this trajectory? I mean, I know you had sort of the moment of clarity in Vegas, but I know that you um you say you're a fifth generation entrepreneur. Now, does that mean that you're an entrepreneur and you're on your fifth project, or does that mean that you're four grandparents, like four generations before you? Like, sort of, where did you start to get to where you are now, in a sense? Good questions. Um, fifth generation entrepreneur. Um, that means that yes, I'm great great grandfather. So my great great grandfather had an awning company. And he sold uh, he sold tents to or supplied tents to the to the military during World War One. And then my great grandfather uh, and my grandfather had awning companies as well that they sold um, tents to to the U.S. Army in World War Two, and then supplied all the covers for um, yeah, you know for NFL football, American football. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> And then my father had a contracting company and was a rancher. So it's been a long line of entrepreneurs. And I dabbled in, you know, being an entrepreneur when I was younger, um, you know, and failed quite a few times. Well, so that's what I, being an entrepreneur is about, is you can't you can't learn what <laughs> succeeds and what gets right until you start, you know, messing up. It's about getting falling down, getting back up and keep on going rather than just falling and giving up. Yes, true. And that's I just kept getting back up. And then I moved to I moved to Arizona. And when I was in Arizona, I ran into a gentleman, um, Jim May, who had just come back from Paraguay and had a big box of, of all these different types of herbs that he'd uh, that he'd gotten on his trip. And one of them in particular, he said, hey, you should try this. And it was a green paste, and I basically took a little bit of it, and it was about 25 times sweeter than sugar. And at that point in time, <clears throat> a light bulb went off, and I'm like, I was thinking, you know, there's got to be a way to extract these sweet constituents out of this leaf. And it was about the same time that aspartame got approved uh, by the FDA, and it's like maybe this would make a great, you know, replacement or natural replacement for aspartame. And so it, I spent all my money and five years of hard work of trying to find a company that could use a water extraction process to get those sweet constituents out and got it done. And in 2008, the FDA uh, cleared the way for uh, stevia to be used as a sweetener in, um, in food products. So that was 10 years ago. And that's when business really started to boom. That's amazing. So, yeah, I was super grateful and and I don't know, it just it's a lot of hard work and a lot of failure. So I can imagine though looking back on it it's it's one of those things where you have that sort of thing almost almost ironically your gut feeling um where it's like you've got this pull of something you kind of like you you see something and something just kind of a switch flicks in your mind and you're like there's something here. I I'm I don't know what yet, but there's definitely something here and then you managed to you followed that and you were like you know something i know it is and you kept pushing it and pushing it and pushing it and then you, you got it you, you've managed to you know you get there and now you are where you are and you're just building the uh the, or the stevia empire almost yeah that's what i call a holy shit moment so <laughs> it's like when you when when you find something like when i tasted the when i tasted that the the stevia leaves that was my holy shit moment i was like oh man these you know this is this is something that 
you know, the world needs to see. And, you know, subsequently, over the past decade, there's other compounds that I've run into, like monk fruit, um, which is also a, a natural high-intensity sweetener. And then another one that I've been working with called allulose. Um, that's been the one that I've been working with most recently um, that functions exactly like sugar. So the the sweetener industry and the options for consumers has expanded greatly. And um, yeah, and it's it's a fun industry to be in. Am I right in thinking you're the kind of guy who um, you don't think of how you do something? What you do is you get an idea and it's not like, right, I or you don't think, OK, we want to work like one step at a time. You kind of skip all the steps and you're like, that's what I want to achieve. And then I have to work out how to get there. Not where you're not like a thing of let's see where this goes. You're like, I know I need to go. I just need to make the path to get there because that's the impression I'm getting. Yeah, that's <laughs> That's pretty accurate. I usually will, you know, like, yeah, moonshots, like yeah. where it's like, okay, this is where I'm going to go, you know, and then the pieces fall together. So mm. I think that if you can set your intention on exactly what it is that you want um, and put together a solid action plan, it just, they, it, it manifests and mm. just, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it sounds it. And so with um, let, let's get a little bit of detail about your book and things. I would like to speak about your ideas and link back to a bit of mindfulness because I did see uh, some things on your site as well about mindfulness as well as uh, memento mori and things like that. So I do want to get into that a, a little bit. I know you, you've got so many interesting things. I'm sure I could talk to you for hours about all these things. But um, so with your book, um, it says it's about your journey, essentially. Do you want to give just sort of a, a brief summary of the book, essentially, and uh, why people should go get it? <laughs> Um, well, if people think that it's a diet book, then they shouldn't get it because <laughs> it's, it's not a diet book. It, it really, I would say that it's a bit of a confessional, um, for me because I really just bear it all. Like I talk about, you know, my state of mind. I talk about where I was, you know, three years ago when I started writing that book and what the, basically being able to, to, drill into the discipline that it took to make a lifestyle shift. Um, so it wasn't just, I mean, it's just not about adopting keto. It's about really making a shift in your lifestyle where you are mindful and mindful of what you're eating. Um, one of the things that's very, uh, a big take home for me in the book, and I hope for others too, is that you shift your mindset from living to eat to eating to live. And I think once you take that step and once you are mindful about what you're eating, you're not doing mindless munching all the time, like stuffing, you know, chips into your mouth or, you know, um, snacking or drinking, you know, sugar laden uh, soft drinks. So it's just being mindful, but it's also like creating a path for yourself. And I think a lot of that is, is journaling. Um, that's one thing that I never miss. It doesn't matter where I am. I've always got my journal with me. And the first thing I do in the morning is I start writing, you know, I get it, you know, I basically think it, then ink it, as mm. I say. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I get a blank page in front of me and within 20 minutes it's full and I jot down, you know, things that I want to create or manifest in my life. I write down things that, um, 
that I'm grateful for. Mm. And, you know, then I finish it up with affirmations, you know, like, you know, what I want to draw into my life. And I think that creating that daily roadmap for yourself, I mean, regardless if you're going to adopt a ketogenic lifestyle, but, and if you're just going to try to make a shift to any type of a, you know, improvement, that journaling is a super critical part of that. Mm, Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, um, When I was a bit uh, younger, um, I actually I did write a journal for uh, quite a while. It was about a year or so thinking about it. Um, I did end up stopping, but um, I have a podcast now. So it's an audio journal almost. Um, but it's one thing I find with it is um, one thing that people don't really. I try and explain to people, especially when they've got uh, a messy head in a sense of they struggle with mental illness or things like that, or they're just they feel like they're thinly spread and everywhere at once. And like I'm a super busy guy, um, but not as busy as you. But, uh, you know, I do podcasting. I do loads of other things. My friends tell me that I make my own life difficult because I'm just always so busy. (laughs) And one thing I say to them is like. It, it sounds it because when I tell you about it, you just hear this big sort of amorphous jumble of things. And it's like if I didn't write anything down that it would be the same. I mean, I've got a big wall calendar up there, like a huge sort of wall calendar. That's just every day of the week I write on there. It's color coded, all that sort of jazz. And I've got a calendar on my phone. And what people kind of don't understand when you don't write things down, and which is where the journal thing comes in, which I can imagine being incredibly helpful, is even if you think something saying it out loud or writing it down translates it from i kind of think of thoughts as in like a lava lamp and every thought is like a different color wax and they're all there but they're all kind of moving together but if you write it down it extracts that one color and it extracts another one and what happens is is that the ones that remaining they're not as much of a big mess it's kind of a bit more sort of organic and flow and that's kind of what i think about writing and things so you saying about the journal does it makes a lot of sense of someone who's got so many goals and so many things going on yeah, that was an excellent analogy, <laughs> like the lava lamp thing. You can take yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I I will. Um, I yeah, I I really I think that if you if you're not writing, I mean, journaling is one thing, but also writing your goals down. Like, I I have books going back to 1994 that are all you know all the goals that I wanted to do along with an action plan. But I really think that if you don't do that, um, it's like, I guess it would be like being in a ship, you know, without any navigation. So, I mean, you really need to to plot your course, which is essentially writing out your goals and how you're going to get there. Otherwise, if you don't have that action plan or you don't have a map, um, then there's no destination and you're and no good intention in the world is going to is going to get you there. You're going to actually have to have a plan and you're going to have to execute it. Um, to me, that's the only way that you're actually going to achieve, you know, real life changing goals. Um, otherwise you might just trip into it and be like, Oh, Hey, I got this done, but I really think it's 10 times more effective to, um, you know, to write that stuff down. And like the calendar that you have, I have these giant (laughs) sticky notes 
I've got stickers. It's everywhere. Yeah, I've got, oh my I've got stickers yeah, all over looks... my desk at work. I've just it's covered in sticky notes of just random <laughs> thoughts and things. Definitely. It's yeah. It looks like a crime scene. Like I'm trying to solve some sort of a murder. <laughs> you've got insane and stuff, and you've got like string attaching all yep. of them, and that's sort of thing. Like, yep, I'm the same. <laughs> so I have that. So so my office at my house has that, and it's so I I rarely let people go in there because they're like, oh my god, what happened here? And it's like nothing. Like, What's wrong with you? I thought I knew you. It's like I'm not crazy. <laughs> Like this is this is me getting the crazy out. Like <laughs> it is, it gets the crazy out. That's exactly. Really... Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking oh, as well with, with the writing down part um, as well. It's very um, it runs very synergistically with dieting because both things come. It's both about self discipline and kind of drawing your own lines in the sand. And it's right. saying, okay, if you're gonna say I'm gonna diet and just I'm gonna not eat chocolate. And if you if you say it's a reasonable goal, like I'm not gonna have chocolate Monday to Friday, and that's it if you can stick to that then that is one you will get healthier even if you eat rubbish and the other things that's one incremental way and if you can put in several lines in the sand which is essentially just what a diet is and you can have the discipline to really say i'm going to do that that's what a lot, a lot of it is with goals because if i just think for example let's say i'm just going to think get, give up smoking well, mm-hmm. if I end up not doing that, then what happens is that nothing goes wrong. That thought in my head is like, oh, well, I've let myself down but in a tiny way. I only thought it anyway. You can kind of excuse yourself. But if you write it down, even if no one else sees it, you still would think, you know, at some point that was meant to be in the stand. It was meant to be mean something. And now you've letting yourself down in a – when it's written there, you can't escape it. You can't think your way out of it. So I think that that, uh, that works very well with the uh, – it's very interesting that you – you went to the sort of uh, the dieting realm and obviously you're an entrepreneur and I've only just realized how synergistically the mindsets must work together. For <laughs> it was, it was very goal oriented. Like my goal was to be at a certain weight at a certain time and then to map, you know, map out how I was going to do that. And also, I mean, writing things down in, in, in form of like data collection, it also tells you where you've been. So that way you're able to map your progress so, yeah, I mean, checking my weight every single day, uh, checking my blood sugar levels, blood ketone levels, you know, tracking how much water I'm drinking because water is a super important uh, compound to, you know, being successful with it. Yep. Very yeah, good. Yeah, I'm doing it. <laughs> First step. <laughs> Recycle that bottle. Mm. And, uh, this is new. So, I fill this up all the time. So, yeah, I'm on that show. Oh, nice. Nice. Um, yeah. So I think that it's you got to have data collection. You've got to map your goals. You know, and I think getting, you know, starting your day off with journaling and then, you know, from there I go do my workout, my hour mm. of power. Yeah. yeah, that's that's a good shout. And I was going to say um, with uh, this, it's about three different things. I was going to I'm trying to which, uh, work out which one to ask you first, because um, there's, there's so many things there um, with I'd say. Let's let's talk about mindfulness a little bit, um, and because that kind of links in with the ideas and the writing down and things. Um, I only because you, when you're on the outside, a bit like when you hear people talking about, or when one hears about people speaking about dieting or being vegan or anything like that, people often get the impression it's kind of like preachy. You know, I've been saying about um, mindfulness exercises to a lot of my friends, and you know, I'm not, I don't do huge meditation or anything like that. People can, and it can help really well. But for me, I just do mindfulness. Almost every single night before bed, I lay, I know it's, you can do it at different times, it can help different people, but it helps me really focus is I just lay down, lay dead still, 
and just focus on breathing in as slowly and as kind of gently as much as I can in my nose and out from my mouth. And all I do is focus on the breathing. And then any thoughts come into my mind, I just kind of sort them and go, that's a negative thought. That's a positive thought. That's a work related thought. And just don't think about them. Just visualize the breathing. And I find for me as an individual, that really, really helps. And that's kind of quite low key mindfulness. So I was interested in sort of your techniques and when you started doing it. Or your opinions on it that te- yeah well that technique is very similar to the technique that i that i use like i okay. i meditate on a daily basis um it's sort of how i culminate my workout uh, you know my hour of power if you will um you know i i wrap it up with a with a meditation and i do a minimum of 10 minutes and that really keeps me grounded i know that sounds sort of cliche but it does it keeps my feet on the ground it keeps helps me focus and also helps me like move through my day with a little more sort of poise and and you know and tranquility i guess so yeah every you know after the workout i do i focus you know on my breath and you know i allow thoughts to pass in and pass out but they're never, I never hang on to a thought. It's just let go. Mm. And yeah, I find that that is really the absolute best way to start my day because my head is super clear. Um, I feel super relaxed, not stressed. And, you know, I'm pretty much able to handle whatever's thrown at me then. Mm. And that's what mindfulness and meditation is kind of all about. What a lot of people hear is they hear, Oh, meditation you're going to sit cross-legged on the floor for three hours say mm, trying to speak with the god of the universe and it's like no it's <laughs> it's like regardless of what your religious beliefs are that's still a, a horrend- like that's still a oversimplification a ridiculous notion of that it's meditation is inward it's looking inward in, in a mm-hmm. sense and it's what i find about it is mindfulness and meditation it's about organizing your thoughts carefully and calmly and clearly and then when you have a moment of you do get angry or you are very upset about something it's not suddenly you're immune to these emotions it allows you to handle them more it's an exercise mindfulness exercise your, your mind is mm-hmm. you know it's the same as the rest of your body if you don't take care of it if you don't feed it in the right way if you don't exercise it in the right way it can you know atrophy it can start to wear out in a sense so i really think that's a great thing to do when did you start meditating or um oh. interest <laughs> I I actually started meditating when I was probably 20. Mm. Um, you know, I uh, met this girl while I was in school and she was heavily she was older than me. She was heavily into meditation and I went to a couple classes with her and I really started getting into it. So I mean, it's something that I've practiced for for quite some time. And, you know, it just keeps me, it really does keep me balanced. But I want to sort of expand a little bit on the mindfulness um, aspect of it. Like meditation and mindfulness are one thing. But I think that, you know, in the book, one of the things that I was exploring is, is the mindfulness of eating and being mindful when you're eating. Like, like there's, like I mentioned before, mindless munching. And that's, you're not really... I guess, celebrating the food, Um, you know, and when 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 you talk about the philosophical sort of um, philosophical points of 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 veganism and and being a vegetarian, you know, those philosophical, you know, uh, points of no animal suffering, you know, and a a, a, a plant based diet, you know, is more humane. Um, I mean, that's, I think that that's still up for debate, 
but I do think that people that will eat, you know, consume animal products and not be not be responsible about consuming those those products like like it sounds like you're a fan of Joe Rogan mm-hmm. and you know I am and when when he talks about harvesting an animal I mean he really takes part in that mm-hmm. and so you know when somebody goes to a conventional grocery store they don't know how the meat's raised they don't or if it's poultry they don't know how you know the the chickens are treated when when you when you advocate or consume animal proteins that have been raised on a corporate farm. I mean, you're really complicit in that. And I think that being mindful of it and paying a little extra and actually getting, you know, getting, you know, your animal proteins from directly from, you know, a butcher who gets them from, you know, from a farm where they're, you know, raised on pastures. I really think that that helps you eat a little less meat and also helps you be really mindful that that animal sacrificed its life for you to eat. And you just don't fill your face with it, but you actually, you know, I guess, honor that animal, um, you know, for for giving of itself so you could, you know, have sustenance. So to me, like being super mindful about that and not wasting, you know, not throwing food away. Like in the United States, 25% of our food goes to waste. Oh, wow. Because either people aren't eating it or it sits in somebody's refrigerator and goes bad. But 25% of all the food consumed in the United States goes to waste. And that is that is the it's opposite disgusting. of mindfulness. It is disgusting. It's very disrespectful it's, to the planet, to starving people, oh, to the animals you slaughter. It's just it's terrible. It is. It is. So it's like portion control, you know, make sure that you're not throwing food away making sure that you, you know, you honor where those, you know, where if you're on plant-based, you, you honor where those, those uh, vegetables or fruits are grown. If you're, you know, if you're eating animal proteins that you honor, you know, where that animal, how it was, how it was raised and how it was slaughtered. And I think that if you are able to practice that mindfulness, that that's going to reflect, you know, across the entire world. Mm, I totally agree. I mean, it's, I mean, I've I've pondered and I've toyed with the idea of veganism and vegetarianism, but uh, in all honesty, selfishly, I I don't think I can handle that sort of diet. I'm not a big fan of vegetables. I do eat vegetables every meal and I eat lots of fruit and I make sure I do, but I, I'm not one of those people who really likes it. Like if tomorrow you said I'll give you a pill which you can have every morning and you never have to eat vegetable fruit again, yeah, I'll definitely take that. Like it's I just don't like the taste of any of it. I, I like smoothies which are terrible for you anyway, but apart from that, which are like the highest concentration of sugar you can get out of anything even vaguely healthy, it's like great. But I, I do I do respect as you say, and I, what I quite like about vegans who aren't almost morally blackmailing people who are not forcing it down people's throats i like it when there's people who i've had conversations with you wouldn't know they're vegan they don't make a big deal about it but you talk to them and they're just like it's my thing it should be like religion it's like the way right. you eat should be in the same sort of way you know it's yeah. it's about being respectful of your fellow man being respectful of the earth regardless of whether or not you think the earth is the only place humans are you think that there's mother earth and it's a big living organism it doesn't matter because all religion and all ideology around earth that's positive comes from respect and it's respect of people respect of animals respect of plants and as you say and more and more people being vegan and vegetarian and more people being 
uh, food conscious does rub off on other people. You know, even if you know someone who's vegan, it may just that little moment in your head where you do, you hadn't really thought about it, but you go, me eating this bacon, this pig may have had a horrible life. Maybe I'm going to keep eating meat, but I'll have meat free Monday or I'll, as you say, cut down the portion control or I'll be sure that I buy this meat from somewhere that I know that that's not being caged or anything. So I completely agree with you in that sort of, uh, in that realm. Yeah, and I I think that I I think that's our responsibility as stewards of the planet too. Like mm. I mean, we're we're here to take care of the planet, and I think that if we're wasting twenty five percent of the food that we're you know that we're harvesting, um, I think that that's pretty irresponsible. And I um and I do think on a global basis, um, you know there needs to be a lot more mindfulness of you know of what of what you're putting into your body. And how it relates back to, you know, to the whole planet. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And um, I have interest with um, with sort of the ketogenic um, diet and the paleo diet and all these sort of things that you're kind of the, the road you're going down, as well as mindfulness and uh, meditation. Have you had many people uh, much resistance about it? Many people being quite negative about it or, or any of that sort of thing? Um not you know not so much the philosophical end of things you know like the journaling and and being mindful but i have gotten some pushback from people about um about keto um you know like oh i'm just going to be eating bacon and and cheese and <laughs> and you know my triglycerides are going to go up and you know my my ldl and my hdl and my cholesterol and you know this is just you know it's an unhealthy way to live so i've i've gotten a lot of feedback um i shouldn't say a lot maybe a third you know i get some some tweets or some instagram strong skepticism yeah about you know me promoting something that's so unhealthy for people but it's like i i mean i i have all my blood tests and i'm able and i've been able to take my my blood my my blood pressure from 199 over 99 down to 120 over over 70 which oh, is wow. which is perfect i did that in under a year I was able to to lose 35 pounds in under a year, um, you know, and all of my organ functions, all of my, you know, like uh, liver, renal, all of those functions have improved on on the ketogenic diet. And I don't really eat only bacon and cheese. <laughs> That'd be the dream. <laughs> Guys, yeah, the perfect I mean, diet. All you need is cheese and bacon. It's like, yeah. can we in? But I mean, I do like to eat salmon. Like I'll have a piece of salmon with some, uh, you know, with some some broccoli, with some steamed broccoli. It, there's, I mean, there's a lot of like, it, it's not just you know filling your face with with fats and and proteins. It's really about balancing it, making sure that you're getting enough fiber. Um, by eating, you know, cruciferous carbohydrates, you know, cruciferous vegetables, um, you know, making sure that you're selecting the right types of fat. Like if you if you only eat bacon and cheese, I mean, you're going to be taking in some very for some very dense fats into your, you know, into your blood. Um, I don't necessarily think that that's that's a positive thing. I think that if you can have uh, animal products or any products that have, you know, higher quality fat, like salmon, 
with omega-3 and nuts that have omega-6 and omega-9, they have heart protecting uh, compounds in them. So yeah, I <clears throat> the pushback that I get is just from people that don't don't understand it. I think with all movements uh, or revolutions, uh, there's always the people who are skeptic and who are sort of a lot of people don't like having an open mind and they don't like having their mind changed at all. Like it doesn't even matter if it's even their idea. They're just kind of they're going along with this thing and they're just like, I've been doing this for ages. I know it's right. I'm not going to look at anything else. I'm just going to put my sort of the, the blinkers on it in a sense, you know, and I, I don't. I like to try and be as ideological, ideologically open as possible. I, I used to be very closed off when I was in college and things. Um, so when I was like 16-ish, you know, um, I used to think everything I knew was right. You know, I was an atheist and I knew this and I knew that and da 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 and everyone else was wrong. It couldn't possibly be right. And then as I've gotten older, it's a bit more like spiritually I've kind of developed a bit more and I'm less like you're wrong and I'm right and it's more like my interpretation is this <laughs> your interpretation is that let's discuss it I'm interested in your mindset yeah. but with, yeah. with obviously the difference between uh, philosophy and sort of morality and these sort of things are they're quite subjective and many atheists would argue there is but let's just argue for now that there's no way to prove there's no god or anything like that but when it comes to food and diets like you have science and you have like empirical data which as you said previously you're not saying keto is going to work for everyone the entire world would be better if everyone's on keto it's okay for me as an individual this option i'm i'm giving this option some light i'm, I'm showing that this is another alternative and, and i think that's what life should all be about and that's exactly what you're kind of doing you're just saying i'm doing this here's all the options here's all the data here's it if you fancy doing that i've got the resources and the products and whatever excuse me um, which you can use and utilize to help yourself make these decisions find these goals and that's the key the key difference between people who are positively benefiting the world of change and almost negatively it's forcing and just allowing you know what i mean mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and I, I think with my book, I mean, yeah, it's called Guy Gone Keto and it's about my ketogenic journey and lifestyle. But really, the book is about is about making a lifestyle change. So it, it's yeah. And if keto's if if keto's not your thing, the book will still help you yeah. um, because it will tell you the things that that I used to help initiate change because it took a lot of discipline. You know, like I was I drink a bottle of wine every night and I was eating pizza, like a whole pizza every other day and Up in snacking. Yeah, I mean, it was just like it was some really bad habits and, you know, they were habits and it was something that I had to break. Like I had to really change my relationship with food and I really had to change my relationship with drinking. Um you know, it was it, it was a reward for me at the end of the day, having a nice glass of wine, which led to two, which led to three. And then next thing you know, the bottle's gone. Mm. Um, those are a lot of useless calories and probably not very good for your liver. Um, but those but the book really for me was was creating the framework, um, creating the framework for a lifestyle shift. So while it deals with keto and it's about my keto journey, it's really more about mind shift set, uh, mindset shift and, you know, and really 
like just getting deep with with your with your self discipline and with some stoicism thrown in there too yeah why not but it's like the, the good thing is with the way you've described that is it's sort of um it's almost like the catalyst of the journey was deciding to go keto but that isn't the the specifics of it that's sort of just that's like the outer shell of the journey itself in in a sense and that's kind of what it is it's like yeah the the, the you scratch the surface and you think it's about keto but when you go deeper you realize that was an excuse for a journey in in a sense mm-hmm. so it, it's 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 great that you've sort of you explain it in such a way that you're just not like especially because you have a company which is really beneficial for people doing keto and it's just like you're not saying you know you could easily come you're much more an expert than i am so you could easily come on here and say look keto everyone needs to be on it every single person for this reason this reason this reason and i'd probably be like okay i'll take a word for it and research it later but you're being very uh very open and honest about it which is uh it's very much appreciated um i want to know your opinions on almost the politics of food uh in a sense because there's there's films like uh, Super Size Me is probably the example everyone will know about the most. I mean, regardless that if we, there's a lot of criticisms of that film, but if we just look at it in the base layer of, I think that was one of the first times where people were really like, oh, this food is is much worse for me than I actually thought of it. You know, you can kind of, if you don't know the information, you can kind of be ignorant about it and not have to look into it. And that's what a lot of people do. But from that film and other films and things like that, and obviously the internet being uh, more open source for information rather than the sort of newspapers or other media outlets having control, I think that it's surprising when you sort of delve deep into it of how much of food is, is wrapped in sort of politics. I mean, there was the thing in the, I think it was the 1960s, where there was loads of um, Harvard scientists were paid off by sugar companies about like sort of saying that fats is actually not the problem and sugar isn't. So I'm interested to think of the politics of food, essentially, what your opinions are on that. Well, that, yeah, that, um, that study was the, there was an article in the New York Times that highlighted that story about how, uh, scientists were paid by the sugar industry to vilify fat. Um, And what's interesting is I grew up during that time and I do, I mean, I clearly remember, um, you know, propaganda about how fat will make you fat and you want to stay away from it. And, you know, sugar gives you energy. And I think if you flash forward now, you're going to see that, I mean, that's when you see people consuming so much sugar, that really is is the cause of a lot of disease like, in, you know, obesity, diabetes, diabetes, um, also neurodegenerative uh, disease like Alzheimer's uh, and dementia is those are also being referred to as diabetes type three. So, I mean, when you look at the, all of the harm that sugar's done, and then also how its tentacles have really weaved into the fabric of, of food production, like it's, it's so much cheaper to take uh, sugar, which is a subsidized, crop in, a cr- subsidized uh, crop in the United States, along with corn, like corn is also subsidized, meaning the government actually pays people to grow corn. So it, the price is artificially cheapened, um, which makes like corn syrup, you know, and high fructose corn syrup, really super cheap uh, ingredients to to include in, in your uh, in your formulas, meaning you could probably take out like let's take ketchup, for example. 
when you look at ketchup, I mean, how much tomato paste does ketchup have in it? It's like it is the number one ingredient, but then number two ingredient is going to be high fructose corn syrup followed by sugar. So you can actually tomato paste, which costs maybe a dollar ninety a pound, you can reduce the amount of of tomato paste that you're using and just add sugar, which you can get for 15 cents a pound and a little bit of salt. And you're still going to get that same, the same basic flavor. It's just going to be sweeter. But that, that I think is, is really the destructive nature of having subsidies and having, you know, politics weaved into, weaved into food, um, you know, particularly with subsidies. So a company can own acres and acres of corn and then sell the corn back to themselves at a loss and still make it up by selling the, the high fructose corn syrup. And then at the end of the year, they get a big, huge fat check from the, from the government. So the system is pretty, pretty broken. But the upside, right, the positive side of this is that consumers can make these decisions. Like consumers can decide Look, I'm not going to eat any sugar. I'm not going to be part of this, you know, part of this, uh, you know, this destructive force. Um, I can make better choices. And so, really, you could look at it as, well, it's it's all screwed up. Or you can take a look at it and say, we can change this, and we change this by the by the the power and the value of our of our decisions at the marketplace. Like, don't buy stuff that's loaded with sugar you know, and make those lifestyle choices. And that becomes a new political movement or a revolution. Mm, yeah. And it's it's one of those things as well, which one of the things I found, because I used to be uh, quite overweight, especially through college and things. Um, and when I started, I sort of wanted to diet because, you know, you think, okay, I need to look thinner. I need to feel thinner. Duh, duh, duh. And then what I found is now when I don't eat, because I didn't used to eat any veg or anything like that till I was probably about 16 and I eat like little bits. But now, you know, you know I'm near 25 and I live by myself. Well, I live with friends, but I've lived away from home for almost five years. So it's like I am completely in control. Well, the first year I was just eating rubbish. You know, I was having pot noodles, microwave burgers and these sorts of things just all the time. Because it's like, I can eat what I want, so I'm going to. And it's, it's not good. It's terrible. And then I kind of, I basically just one day I was like, you know, I'm going to try gonna really try and be healthy um so i basically did and i started going to the gym a lot more and now you can really feel the difference that's that's the weird thing about it you know you don't want to kind of put you don't want to inadvertently fat shame or tell any of your any friends that are overweight be like yeah i feel great i'm skinny it's like no it's it, it's a weird thing where you you can feel it and it's it's really weird because people sort of like to distance their mind state from um what they eat and obviously what we've discussed previously or earlier rather of about the gut biome and things it, it makes sense you, you are almost you, you're a moving meat vehicle you're just a biological <laughs> machine how do you power machines if you use a bad battery or anything like that it's not going to run that well it's right. really that simple you put fuel in your car it's if you use the wrong ter terrible fuel your car's not going to run well so right it does make a lot of sense in that way of just feeling better and does that, i assume right. that links in a lot with your uh ketogenic diet where you said you just feel a lot more a lot of clarity and things with that yeah and i mean and and really you know we are just a meat suit this is just a vehicle basically a vehicle to get us around so if you're not taking care of your vehicle you're not going to get around and i would say if you're using like a high sugar high carbohydrate fuel source 
your your vehicle's not going to run that great. If you, you know, if you can give it a clean fuel source and for me, you know, that's going to be high fat diet. Um that's for me the cleanest fuel that I can burn. So my vehicle gets around. And that's the end of the podcast. Thanks as always for tuning in, guys. Uh, next week will be a continuation of that chat with Tom. However, instead of it being about sort of the ketogenic diet and things, um, as I said in the intro, it's going to be a lot more about spirituality, um, death, um, that, those sort of topics. So I decided to split them into two standalone episodes because I think they're strong enough um as themselves um in the coming weeks um i've got a science but simple episode i'm due to release after these two tom king ones um and then i've got a few other podcasts set to record i've got a couple of returning guests i've got a couple of collaborations which uh will be with other podcasters a lot of them um i've got a few talks with people who are religious individuals i've got talks with friends of mine who haven't been on the podcast yet so i've got quite a nice wide berth of things to come over the the coming months quite a few things lined up so it's going to be an exciting year and as i said i'm going to mexico amsterdam i'm going to see book of mormon next week um so if you want to follow me on instagram twitter or facebook um on instagram it will be the majority of things to do with my life if i go somewhere cool if i see a movie i'll do movie reviews um i'll do a review of book of mormon and things not like a proper full-on big review but you know i'll just give my thoughts on it because i went and saw wicked the other like a couple months back i did a little post about that with a picture or two um but yeah that's about it really i think guys so um you know thanks as always for tuning in i appreciate any and all feedback uh reviews on itunes anywhere else like that if you'd like the show share it with your friends you know it's probably not going to be an episode this this probably isn't going to be a podcast where you like every single episode but it's probably going to be a podcast where there's at least one that interests you so if you fire it to other people you know that's really appreciated anyway i appreciate each and every one of you listening especially right up to the end and i'll talk to you all next week